This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's a place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here, and we have a very deep, a indeed a profound guest here tonight who's who's really been in some places that we all wish we could travel in. He's going to tell us a little bit about him, but more importantly, he's going to tell us about his mission, where he's going in his life, his contribution to the larger picture of, of how we can all evolve as human beings. And his name is Robert Williams. Thank you so much, Robert, for coming on board. We appreciate it. Dr. Parker, thank you very much for having me as a guest. It's going to be a lot of fun, folks. He has a book called Love is power right there we're in a transcendent moment my friends and yet we all intuitively know that it's true sometimes i think we could all practice it a little more frequently myself included and we're going to learn from robert how he developed the whole concept and what he's doing with it a brief introduction love is the power the author is robert williams he's the co-founder of 108 one 8 inc a Portland-based innovative technology company. He's the inventor and developer of quantum code technology. We're going to talk more about that. Robert's research has provided scientific breakthroughs in field-based technologies, consciousness, and human potential. This is going to be so interesting. Robert has also enjoyed success as a musician and educator. He taught music at the university level, Recorded and performed with such artists, artists as, get this, the Beach Boys, Paul Horn, and Charles Lloyd. After having a near-death experience in 1979, Robert devoted all of his time and energy towards researching consciousness and subtle energy along with conventional physics and the application there with medicine. So he's published in a number of journals, the Journal, journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, the Journal of, I haven't heard of this journal before, Robert, I'm looking forward to talking about it, Subtle Energies and Energy Medicine, and has been a guest lecturer several times at the University of California at Irvine and the Thai Sophia College of Alternative Medicine, Maryland. Uh, actually, uh, pardon me, additionally, Robert has developed the 108 mobile heart phone app that's a Heart Plus app that enhances, supports, and maintains highly efficient human and animal bioenergy levels. We got to talk about that. He has also co-developed a way of revitalizing drinking water. Who doesn't need that? Restoring the molecular relationships of H2O to match those of pristine healing waters found around the planet. You haven't been working at all, Robert. You've been sitting on whatever, you know. <laughs> This is so interesting. I mean, I don't think we're going to have enough time to talk to you. We're going to just go at this. So uh, it's hard to figure out where to begin. What we do customarily just sort of have you tell us a little bit about where you are, but every single one of these points could be a half-hour conversation. So tell us a little bit about where you are right now, what your energy is devoted to, and then we'll dig more deeply into some of these topics. Thank you. The, one of the foundations of my work is in understanding and utilizing our innate consciousness, our innate intelligence. And so I wanted to find that right off the bat. What do we mean by that? There is 
we have our minds, we have the things that we've learned in schools, the, uh, from our families and so forth, up to this very moment, we have a lot of information that our minds can access, and, and it's very important. There are also what's, what's called information fields, and these information fields, uh, it's a term created by um, Professor William Tiller, co-chairman of the Department of Material Sciences at Stanford University, a great friend of mine. This term is about information that is are already in our cells, already in our minds, already in our uh, psychophysical realities, whether we're awake or we're sleeping or we're whatever we're doing. And it's, it's really obvious when we look around outside, we, we look at the miraculous way that nature is governing itself and, and the rhythms and the, the way the plants are growing. And I'm a father and I remember watching those wonderful National Geographic specials on how, what happens after conception. And, you know, within hours, there's millions of cells and how they continue to grow and grow. And then you see a heart and then you see a spine. You see, you know, those information fields were not unique to my wife as we've seen all uh, mothers and fathers have this information that automatically can create a human being. And that is what my research has been focused on, our innate intelligence, our innate potential. And tapping in there kind of gives us a way to see how we can get through these difficult times on the planet because we're transcending and including our own minds but we're tapping into this larger intelligence that gives us insights, gives us epiphanies, gives us realizations, and we, we start to uh, come up with solutions for these problems that are way, way difficult for our minds only to solve. Well, you know, Robert, I was trying to dig in as you were talking about the, uh, some of the things you were saying were really intuitively, uh, hey, we know we've got some programming going on. But what I think is really intriguing about what you're bringing to the table is that you have some way to measure technologically yeah. certain of these energies and then find uh, applications for them in constructive ways that really other people haven't been talking about. I mean, this is a very, very interesting uh, a, a discovery, really, or a series of discoveries that you're having here that you've been able to work out. Could you tell us a little bit about that measurement and application process? It involves new concepts. Uh, for instance, um, in 1994, if I remember correctly, uh, Beverly Rubick, biophysicist from the University of California at Berkeley, presented along with others a, an abundance of information about what's called subtle energy or energy medicine or uh, hands-on healing or things that were not defined in conventional medicine. They knew it was real. They saw the abundance of research and they studied it. It was part of the National Institutes of Health. And they realized that they had to come up with a term that wasn't spooky because if we <laughs> use aura, auras or uh, chi or Mm -hmm. Prana, these things were too spooky, so they came up with a term called the biofield. So the biofield is defined as that source of information in and around each of our cells that governs the homeostasis and homeodynamics of the cell. 
There's a lot there. But to answer your question, so we, 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 we present a hypothesis in a controlled environment, in a situation where there's going to be a test. And the hypothesis is that there are fields of information that when applied in a discrete and uh, specific manner will have an effect on materials, on physical reality, on physical substances, including, mm. of course, our physiologies, our, the human condition. So that is how these tests have been conducted with, um, we, we had to make sure it was not a placebo, although placebo is a whole argument of, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. We've done tests on animals, we've done tests in vitro. So let me just give you an example here. We had a, a study at University of California, Irvine, where there was a Petri dish of um, a, a biological phenomenon that had been studied over and over and over again. It's called an assay. So they know what's going to happen with this particular kind of uh, organism over time. So uh, that was the baseline. So then we turn on these fields of information, these biofield generators. And I can talk more about that, but it's not, they don't shoot electrons or photons. Uh, those are particle generators. They actually emit these fields. So if we remember, uh, the photon has a wave and a particle aspect. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at the waves, these fields that are available to us. And in this controlled experiment, we turned on those fields. There's crystal oscillators that generate the fields, and we can talk about that. But we just see the difference. There's a baseline. We turn on. Nothing else has changed. And what happens is that in the several tests that we've conducted, what's shown that there is an increase of order or an increase of the, of the innate intelligence or the organism, in this case, something that's in the human body, is more, uh, let's just say it knows its role. It knows its role mm-hmm. in the immune system. It knows its role. So what we have is enhanced. What we already were born with is supported in a way that brings out greater healing or curing of whatever. And I know I can't make medical claims, but this is how we tested with real results with in vitro and animals and human studies. So Robert, what happens, let me say back what I think you said, because it's a new concept for me, quite honestly. Uh, it sounds like the, uh, the organism in question that is receiving these uh, fields of energy, uh, you use the word a couple times intelligence, but it has kind of an organizational quality. It's it, 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 and a growing quality. So the intelligence is that within the organism, it can actually connect within itself and construct a growing process of, uh, I, I think growth is the word, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nature is not stagnant. Mm-hmm. Each one of our cells has a, a certain lifespan to it. And I'm, I bet you your uh, listeners have heard of this, that every cell in the human body replaces itself at the bare minimum of, of every uh, seven years and some even more quickly. So there's, there's this constant change going on. Each cell knows its discrete role in that moment, if it's a liver cell, a heart cell, bone cell. So all these things are governed by this innate intelligence. Now, what my research has been focused on is what's behind that. It is, mm-hmm. it is mm. you could say, natural laws or the laws of nature, the laws of physics that are applied 
uh, with fields rather than particles. Uh, it, it gets a, a bit complicated, but this innate intelligence is affected by external environmental conditions. Um, if the environment is more resonate, resonant with who we truly are, now let me say, what does that mean? If we were walking in the woods or we're walking in a beautiful place in Hawaii and there's, there's, we're, we're away from the big cities and the computers and the power lines and the radio waves and all those uh, invisible fields that are predominant in cities and the concrete and cars, you get the idea. If we're walking out in nature, we don't have to think, well, maybe I should feel, maybe, I'm, maybe I can feel better. It, it is automatic. We start feeling better because the environment that we're walking in or sleeping in or living in is more, uh, it's more natural. We've heard these concepts before, but there's actually subtle energetic fields that are resonating with those fields in our own bodies. That's why we heal more quickly in natural environments, not because the environment is adding something to us. It is because it is supporting what's already there in us. And that's that law of sympathetic resonance. If there's something that is of the same frequency or a harmonic of it, it will enhance it. So there's the two tuning forks. So you, you are a tuning fork. You are a number of tuning forks that you were born with that knows your, back to the biofuel concept, that knows your highest potential in any given moment. Your innate intelligence already is programmed to make sure you're not only surviving, but you're thriving and you're growing and you're creating and the life force is accessible for your life. So that is innate. And then there's interference that can inhibit those natural information fields. Uh, electro pollution, man, you know, all kinds of things that can interfere with our natural internal psychophysical environment. And then we struggle more. We have to uh, contend with these environmental influences, uh, even, even uh, family emotions and stress that, that builds up over time starts to cut us off from our uh, innate intelligence for our own uh, health and life and well-being. So what this technology, what the technologies that we've been working with for years, it just uh, emulates being out in nature, it emulates the natural environment so that uh, we don't go into that fight-flight response as, as quickly as we used to. Sometimes we are free from it altogether in certain times of the day. Uh, so you, uh, some of your other guests have talked about that. We are in a time when, for most of us, there's always a stress that's just part of life. And there's the uh, nervous system that is saying, there is a tiger right around the corner. I just know it. And so I have to be on high alert because this tiger is going to eat me in any second. I could just feel it. Now, uh, we know that that's not always the case. But, this, but the body's nervous system is interpreting these um, man-made um, fields that were not grown from nature. It's interpreting those conditions in in the environment as danger as it should be because it's not part of its own makeup it's counterproductive right so we so we humans have evolved over a long time without modern technology and the body is saying this modern technology is new to me 
I've got to be on high alert. I've got to be ready to run, ready to fight. And that's what causes just that baseline stress of human or modern human life. What we want to do, we know we cannot go back to 200 years ago. We have all these great technologies and electromagnetism, electric this and electric that and digital this and digital that. We want to uh, reap the rewards of our uh, innovations and technological breakthroughs. How can we do that? We, reint we reintroduce to the body, to the physiology, these natural fields. So the body says, I am not only with my cell phone, I'm actually out in nature. And in in, in that primal intelligence that is saying what is dangerous, what is not, it's not tricked. It is actually in a safer environment with these fields in the presence of these fields, which I can talk about. But you get the idea that we're just, uh, as a species, we've, we're just, we haven't been able to adapt quick enough to the growth of technologies. And mm -hmm. therefore, there's a lot of disturbance collectively that we're continuing with. And, they, and if we're disturbed, we're stressed, then we might make mistakes. And we often do because we fear more than we are feeling safe and more than we're loving. And it's, it's okay. To, to That's just what the body's trying to do. It's trying to find that safe zone. What we want to do is integrate within modern technology that safe zone, that safe environment so that we are clearer, we could have uh, a higher quality of life. This is terribly interesting. I mean, this is amazing what you're talking about. You know, uh, the, the next question is, which I'm sure others are thinking about, is it sounds like the one question is, it sounds like you have a technology which is going to enhance natural um, biofields. I mean, that's, yes. you, have a, you have a technology which is going to enhance natural biofields. That's number one. And the other question, parallel to that and, and uh, somewhat junior to it, is can a person do that themselves with certain techniques as well? I mean, is there a, is there a yes. synergistic effect between the biofields and whatever a person is practicing at the same time? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, yeah, this is, this is the amazing gift that humans have is that we are – multifaceted we are always uh tapping into all kinds of resources and our free will our choices affect those resources and they can enhance the benefit they can uh counter the the harmful effects uh for instance and and your question is great because um i suppose this is my belief that humans have a unique position or a unique uh, quality on this planet because we've evolved in different languages. We've evolved in a way that we are self-aware. And that self-awareness is something very unique that uh, I don't believe other animals have. Just We can go into that. But that self-awareness needed to uh, evolve in a, in a way that uh, created a sense of separateness and me versus you and we evolved com competing for food and competing for safety and shelter and that's what we had to go through to evolve and from that we had different languages and different ways of communicating and all kinds of differences came from those hundreds of thousands of years of evolution 
And we're at a place now where we are confronted with, uh, with, with life in a way that is challenging our, our ability to, to respond appropriately, or I suppose we could say we're confronted with uh, the dilemma of what we've created. So as humans, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can participate in change. We can participate in our own uh, well-being. We can participate in our own personal evolution. And that's what your, your question uh, brought up for me. And it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful kind of uh, realization that even though there are a lot of stressful things that we're confronted with from moment to moment, through shifting our attention, uh, making choices that uh, we learn over time, bring us safety, bring us more comfort, bring us more love and allows the heart to flow more without restriction. We can learn, we can practice those techniques and use technologies that will feel, we, we, we feel safer, we feel um, more alert for danger, we feel more appropriate in the moment. And so this is technology that we can choose to participate with uh, more and we can choose to uh, shift our attention into a new domain of, of life via our own free will. And that's the, that's the hope for the future right there. Well, so that's very interesting because we're talking about biofields and energy and we're talking about probably electromagnetic radiation yes. and we're talking about uh, that, um, you know, the computer box is sending waves through our, through our house and we're talking about living near um electrical wires you know being being living under high power lines and and having an office that's run with power lines running running right so we're actually having a, a number of influences that are um infiltrating our own internal developmental system and that we're having to without any awareness cope with and in yeah. fact, sometimes we're not coping with it. We're getting out of balance. We don't even know we're out of balance. And what you're saying is there's, there are some technologies now that are there that tell us how we can actually fix that situation. Oh, yeah, we can move away from the electric wires. We can, we can turn off uh, you know, our, our, uh, our computer uh, messaging system at night. Uh, we can turn the lights off. We can turn the radio off, not sleep so close to the radio. But what you're saying, there's an additional thing, is that we can do something for ourselves and there's a technology that has evolved that you're a part of that can actually interfere with the contamination that's occurred as a result of our own uh, human development. Yes, exactly. Wow, that's amazing. So that's, the one, that's what 108 does. Correct, yeah, that's the... the, the the business vehicle, the company vehicle, yes. Okay, now so now I'm going to ask you the big question, but you know I'm going to take a minute because we're going to we're, we're going to take a break here. But I'm going to ask you this question because this is going to be a big question. It is for me. It may not. It's not going to be big for you. Probably get it asked all the time. But the big question for me is one word: how? <laughs> how does? How can you possibly do that? And right. I'm I'm going to come time. back. I'm going to come back and ask you that question. We're going to take a brief break and and have a little word from our sponsors. And this is going to be so darn interesting. I'm looking forward to talking to you. We'll be back in just a moment, folks. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those 
very, very brief hospitalizations may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and, and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression on every level for families, including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know we refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing? So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. Well, Robert Williams, co-founder of 108, is going to tell us how, folks, or he's going to begin to tell us how. It may be something that we have to learn more about, but the conversation has begun. We're thinking more deeply about measurable, data-driven biofields and other fields that are interfering with our biofields and our own innate intelligence, our sympathetic resonance with our own intelligence. So, Tell us a little bit about the how on that. How do you do that? By so interesting. I bet you. In fact, I know all of your uh, listeners have experienced these moments in their lives where our minds are kind of in the background, and we are approaching something greater, or we're experiencing something greater than what we previously, what our baseline has previously presented to itself. I, I, one of my, I'll, I'll answer your question. One of my great, um, and I suppose a lot of people like Einstein. I just read everything about Einstein, all his poems, all his letters, everything. What he used to do, and this is a, a hint, what he used to do when he would uh, get stumped and when he couldn't solve a problem, he would realize that he was exhausting his current state of knowledge. And so what he, he would literally go out and play his violin usually on, on his boat, he just let go of everything and he'd start playing his violin out there in the boat all by himself and he wasn't thinking about the problem. He wasn't thinking about the mathematical uh, theorems he was, he was stuck at. He was just playing the violin and then boom, the insight 
the, the problems, the solution to the problems would just flash before his eyes. This is a, a, uh, an example of tapping into our higher consciousness. And another example is when we're at a concert and the music is so great and we're all in this together and, and as a member of the Beach Boys in the backup band, I wasn't the founding group, but I was just playing sax in the background there for them. We'd look at each other, musicians would look at each other and go, wow, we feel it. And everybody would start to act as one consciousness. And that state, in my own experience, would be a healing state. I was very ill, and that's a whole another part of the story. But in that collective state of, oh my gosh, you know, this is a, we're all together. And in the old days, we'd do the big lighters and go back and forth. These days, you do their cell phones and go back, all the lights together. Humans have the ability to um, have an insight, to have a flash of information, and that there's a porthole into those sources of creative intelligence. The porthole is actually, it's actually when we come up to a resistance in our own psyche. So in my own situation, I was given six months to live, and I, uh, the doctors had no clue what was going on. 1978, 1979, they said if I didn't get to the hospital quickly, I would be dead in six months. Uh, and what I chose to do is just, I didn't go to the hospital. I just surrendered. I just said to the universe, if I'm meant to be here, something will come to me because I've been searching for over five years. What is wrong with my health? How can I get worse and worse? I'm getting worse and worse and so forth. So it's another hint. So I went into a place, what's called a near death experience where I was out of my body. And I uh, talk about this in my book. I saw certain things. And when I got back into my body, I wrote them down. So in a way, like Einstein, he saw the solutions to his problems. And all of your viewers and you personally, Dr. Parker, we've had our insights and our ahas and our moments of understanding something that we've never understood before. Those things are not the result of a lot of thinking, a lot of analytical processes. Those thinking and anala analysis is important. But I'm talking about how this information can enter our consciousness. So in my case, I was so stubborn and whatever, I had to actually face that death possibility mm -hmm. and I faced it directly and went into a place where I was completely fine with uh, uh, leaving my physical body and I was given a choice and there's a whole story behind that. But when I came back, I, uh, when I was coming back into my body, I saw a bunch of symbols and a bunch of geometries and, and ratios of energy. And I, when I got back into my body, I wrote them all down. So uh, I began researching them, and that's, that was the beginning of this technological uh, arena that we're, we're talking about because I, it certainly wasn't from my brain. It certainly wasn't because I was a scientist. I wasn't. I was a musician. It was just there, and I... I, I paid attention to it and I was inspired by it and not only did I discover all kinds of things from the ancient scriptures and ancient uh, texts and writings 
not necessarily religious, but cultural, that uh, have been hidden or have been forgotten about. And I, I found them all there and saw that these ratios of energy uh, are actually found in nature. And uh, I teamed up with William Tiller at Stanford University, and we came up with different applications of the technology. But that's where it came from. It didn't come from any other uh, way in my own personality, but uh, from this, this uh, complete le uh, letting go of who I perceived I was, who I, what I perceived life was, and what I perceived love was. I, I transcended all that and came back with something that I couldn't help but research and develop, and that was in 1979, and here we are. Well, let me ask you this question, because I tend to be, without thinking about it too much, a visual thinker, okay? So I love metaphors, and I'm going with you in that trip. I'm actually uh, having a uh, empathetic response, a trial identification. I'm over with you in your head, dying, and listening to that. And I'm trying to get a picture of what happened to you in that moment because it's so provocative and evocative what you're talking about, that you're in this place. Was it a, th a series of thoughts that came? What, did you have a visual imagery where, where, where there was a coalescence of, of, of visual activity? How, how, how did, what was your experience there? My first experience, well, I was, I was bedridden. I was real, I'm six foot three and I was down to 110 pounds or 108 pounds. So that gives an idea of my physical condition. I was stumbling to try to get to the, the bathroom and I either passed out and, or I, I tripped because there was an injury in my head when I came back into my body. But the, my first memory of that experience was looking down at my body and the, the kind of realization it wasn't a, a lot of thoughts but just that wow what is it that's looking at my body i thought oh my yeah was limited to my eyeballs and the nervous system oh yeah interesting but, uh, point i got you yeah thing i can talk on and on about clairvoyance and what our subtle perceptions can can uh, perceive so that was my first experience was looking quote unquote down at my body then mm -hmm. uh because i had not resisted the idea of dying or death, I believe that's what made this next sequence very beautiful. And that was, I just became light. There was no tunnel. There was no uh, relatives that had passed on. And I've read all those stories or wonderful stories, but it was just light. And I, I, I it's not light from the sun or light, light from a, uh, a light bulb, but I, I can come up with no other word, but this infinite, realization or this infinite reality where every desire had was already fulfilled and the ecstasy of that love infinite love was the reality but i didn't experience that until i became separate from it so first there was just infinite light mm -hmm. then i was poked out a bit i became separate from it and that's when i understood i there see is, mm -hmm. there is the light this infinite bliss container of limitless possibilities and love there was a perceiver that was tethered to this personality that was witnessing this infinite light mm -hmm. and then there was uh communication i suppose you could say between my soul and my my personality between one aspect of myself and another and the communication was 
Do you want to go back to the light or do you want to go back to your psychophysical body? Self. Yes. Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. In that, in the, the small self, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I asked if I had a purpose and the answer was yes. So that was all that I needed. If I had a purpose, that was my prayer all along for the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. That point was if I had a purpose and it was very metaphysical, I didn't care what that was. It was just that, that understanding that there is a cosmic mm, intelligence that is within each of us that will guide us and will turn out to be our incarnated gift on this planet within these physical and psychophysical constructs. So I began to uh, descend, so is, is not a great word, but come, there were yeah. different dimensions. I go through this dimension and then I, there was a blackout and I went through another dimension and there was a blackout. Then I went through a, uh, a dimension where I, I did see uh, people who had passed on in this domain of, of existence. And I write about that in my book. And then there was a, another place where of these geometries and these symbols. And, and so the eye that was perceiving, again, was, was not confined to my physical body. Mm -hmm. But neither is it for any of us at any time. It was just an experience for me to make it really darn obvious that we're not <laughs> limited to this chemical domain of physical uh, physical structure, and and that's not to discount our physiologies. But when I realized uh, that this was part of me, had been part of me all along. One of the wonderful memories I have is when I first got back in, you can feel it. I, I felt my body, I'm in here again. And, you know, mm -hmm. however the consciousness is associated in the body, wiggle my toes. I'm, and then I'm hearing, this was March in 1979 in, in Santa Barbara, very beautiful place I was living at. So I remember hearing the, the birds outside and the, the ocean waves, look by the ocean and these sounds of nature. And the, for about three or four minutes, I was not separate from nature. I understood that these same governing forces that were behind the birds and the, and the winds and the insects and the oceans and all this wonderful natural existence that we are part of was the same governing force that started my heart to beat again and that was breathing me. And there was... There was not a separate, there, there weren't the natural laws out there and then me observing. There was a unification of those polarities or those differences. And I realized that, gosh, that's, that was my first real experience of this innate intelligence that keeps our heart beating and, and allows us to go through all kinds of experiences. And, and yet at the same time, remaining not bound by any of it. So I, the pain came back at that moment uh, after the four or five minutes. And, you know, I wasn't well, but I had that experience and I knew that I was here for a purpose. We all are, and I'm convinced of it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, picked my body up and, and just changed the course of my life, wrote down as many things that I remembered from that experience in my journals, which I still have, began studying symbols and ancient 
uh, indigenous art and, and went on from there. You were looking for a coalescence that you could identify with your cognitive self. You were looking for another way to, to uh, record it and, and think about communicating it effectively, which you just did. I mean, I appreciate, you know, taking that trip with you. And I'm thinking while you're talking, you're probably very familiar with uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Yes, indeed. You know, because he, he, he had the same thing happen when he, it's, uh, for those who don't know, it's the autobiography of Yogi. And, yeah. and he, 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 he started studying and he, he went back and started meditating. He had some masters that were teaching him. And then, then he had this experience where he just left his body in a, in a meditative state and then went through time and place uh, with this meditative experience. I read that when I was very young. And oddly enough, my father had it hanging around the house, if you can imagine that. Of course, you didn't know my father, so it wouldn't be ironic for you, but it was definitely ironic for me. And, and so the idea that I'm really driving around to ask you is that was an experience that was uh, brought on by a traumatic medical experience and, and out-of-body, almost dying experience. Uh, do you recommend, and I, I haven't read your book, but I mean, do you recommend that a person can actually use meditation as a synchronizing effect with the technology, the biofields that you're talking about? Yes, indeed. In fact, I had started meditating in 1976. What meditation did for me was it allowed this effortlessness to lead me somewhere. The way I, I started transcendental meditation, and the first thing you do is you close your eyes and you don't do anything. You just don't do anything. We're so, we're so programmed, we have to do something. We have to go somewhere. We have to run away from something. Yep. Meditation instructions was you just close your eyes, and what usually happens is that a thought will come. Okay, so there it is. There's a thought. You don't start thinking, okay, now I've got to start. We're meditating. This is the time off. So then you just replace the thought with the mantra, and what has happened over and over again uh, is that you begin to feel these finer states of your own consciousness. And that in and of itself is a, opens up a whole new world because like we have spoken about, we are not confined to our physical bodies. Our physical bodies are our temples. And we can, we can enjoy as much as we can or want to in our physical bodies. I'm not a proponent of going away from pleasure or anything like that. But the meditation technique allows you to, to sense your identity as ultimately infinite, not confined. And that's what, this, that's what meditation does. And then you come out of meditation, and then you see your life, your thoughts come back, it all comes back, and you just live as just, you know, you live fully. But this meditation begins to saturate your consciousness and make changes that, are indeed, I would say, miraculous. Well, let me ask you a couple questions now. So meditation, I've done a lot of meditation myself. I'm not meditating, but when I talk to guys like you, I know I got to get back to it. <laughs> I got to start, like, come on, Parker. How come you're not meditating? This is ridiculous. So, but anyway, back to it. When you're meditating, in a way, you're going to the larger consciousness. 
And then what you do in that, in that situation as you leave your uh, temporal self and go into the larger consciousness, then you, certain things can happen to you. Now, one question I want to ask you, because that's, that is, uh, and I've used the word several times, but it's coalescent of the whole, it's transcending the self. But then next question I have is, because I've had some people that I've talked to who do the next thing, which is guided imagery. Like they may find a inner advisor. They may actually wish, uh, not, uh, wish is probably not the correct terminology, but they may say, I'm going to guide myself into this next self that I would like to be in. And I'm going to take myself there in my imagination while I'm in this transcendent moment. What is your thought about that? Do you, you get what I'm talking about? I sure do. Yeah, and, I, and I've uh, tried all the other meditation techniques, and, and I've done many, many hours and, <laughs> of visualization, and I, I love them. I love mm -hmm. visualization. I love imagining and using our imagination, my imagination, and I love the different types of meditation technique. My, my comment is that at some point in our processes, in our practices, there are is a opportunity to let go of even any kind of agenda whatsoever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any kind of yeah. uh, it, uh, image. We, we, we are willing to just step off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we find our wings. That's where we find what we are potentially was latent. We can't find them if we're continuing to project what we think we want to be. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. It really does because you're still not you're no you haven't transcended. You're you're still cognitively driving yourself down the road, and you're not letting the road drive you. You know, yeah. <laughs> or your whatever your internal thing. Now tell me this. This is the big question I was going to ask you, which I didn't quite get around to. Because how you just said something about how, but let's take it down to because there. Are, uh, those of us out here listening to you who have this unrelenting cognitive buzz going on in our head about how does that technology work with that heart app on a doggone iPhone? I mean, this doesn't make any sense at all. And, you know, I'm a guy, I've had heart issues. I'll be straight with you about it. So I'm curious about it on a personal level, but I'm, I'm also quite curious about it on on, on, on the larger perspective, how, how, does that, how does that actually work? It, uh, it, because I uh, am a humble guy and I teamed up with really smart people who know about digital technologies and William Tiller at Stanford who knows about subtle energies. So when I was coming back into my body, as I just mentioned, I saw that, that place of geometries and I wrote them down and... Uh, uh, to make a long story short, there is a way that you can create crystal oscillators. We're not talking quartz crystals, but actual vibratory oscillators that have certain harmonics. So uh, let, me, let me try to make it simple. Uh, as a musician, I can sing the note A. There's a frequency, 440 beats per second. There's the note A. But... If you do uh, an analysis of that note, there's also the octave, and there's the fifth, and there's the third, and there's another octave. It goes infinitely harmonics above and infinitely subharmonics below, all contained within that primary note. Understood. Okay. 
so what what we were able to do is come up with a hundred we, we, we discovered 108 primary notes that are in nature that are nature in its own evolutionary system so what are the ratios that open up the pathways to the intelligence what are the what what is governing the doorways that's what these 108 frequencies do and mm -hmm. they're and they're if you look at how a plant grows you'll see them there part of it has to do with the fibonacci series and the golden ratios and some of these sacred ratios that pythagoras as far back as even prior and let me let me just give we didn't have to vote as humans we didn't have to vote that sunsets were beautiful like how many people think the sunset you know we look at that and we say oh my god it's beautiful and the color is the reason is that those frequencies are sorry the ratios when the sun hits the horizon mm -hmm. and the circumference of the sun if you do an analysis geometric analysis those ratios those geometries are actually in our own dna's they're in our own cells so when we're looking at the sunset we're resonating with ourselves we're resonating with the same frequencies those same ratios that are oh of our gosh. own self when we look at great art, it's the same thing. So working with Dr. Tiller and others, we were able to create these field generators. And then in the last three or four years, working with people who know about how to broadcast through digital, the digital airwaves, which is every signal is discrete. If I call your cell phone, I'm not going to get anybody else unless there's a you know, wrong number. You're in one number out of all the billions of people or all the maybe a billion cell phones, I don't know, at least yeah. hundreds of millions of cell phones these days, they each have their one discrete little digital code. So when I call you or when I call somebody else, it just rings. So there's, that technology has been established and it's miraculous. And it's something that is kind of a hint that we can become even more connected than we ever thought we were. But the digital domain has established uh, a, a way in which to connect to a cell phone to a URL server to where I can have a game on my phone. We can have, you know, Skype or Facebook and all these things are, are connected to specific patterns and frequencies that have information. What we've been able to do is connect these 108 frequencies, the field generators through our computers. And like I say, people help me with this. We have our own URL. And if you go to the Heart Plus app at uh, the Google Store or the App Store, Apple's, depending whether you have an Apple phone or Android, you can download it for a dollar ninety, I think, one-time fee, and your this aspect of harmonics or carrier waves. So the the waves that are already connecting your phone with all kinds of things at Apple or Google or these URLs they're now carrying these 108 frequencies and you turn it on and to make sure we did a two year study, actually Dr. Beverly Rupick, University of California at Berkeley did this two year double blind controlled study with sham apps and cell phones with the real app and the cell phone and found that the physical heart actually was less stressed via an indicator called the heart rate variability. If heart rate variability is increased, that means your heart health is better, stronger. If 
by 30% she found. 30%? 30%. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It was published in a, this um, medical journal and really scrutinized by, by a lot of uh, scientists who were afraid that there was something uh, flawed because it was so unbelievable. But that's why it took us over two years and Dr. Rubik's persistence. So we've got the data that shows that natural energy carried through the digital domain onto your cell phone will actually, we can't make a medical claim, but will actually be a life-supporting um, energy that has been found to increase heart health and then uh, decrease stress. So does that happen by carrying the phone in your pocket? I mean, does it happen if the phone's in the room? Or does it only happen when you're listening to it and you got it up next to your head? How does all that happen? Well, the, the test was with the phone uh, right on the person's lap or up to their head. Mm -hmm. We've done, uh, so that's the official study. We didn't do a distance test, but using sensitivity and other kinds of measuring devices, we found that the influence is about 40 feet from the phone. Mm -hmm. So that those natural frequencies, they, they fall away after about 30, 40 feet. But that's quite a distance, and you can have your that phone is. on in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you live with it all the time, you know, it's exactly, exactly. 40 feet is easy. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's he's like a friend. <laughs> exactly. Very good. It, 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 you know, it, it brought me to tears, Dr. Parker. I tell you when the results came in because, you know, very metaphysical near death experience codes, ancient code, this very, very um, non-conventional. And I, and I, I, I care about my wife, my daughter, my humanity. I want to, mm -hmm. You know, and to, and to, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't harming anybody, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. That was my biggest, before we took any steps into an application, make sure it was at least neutral. I did not expect this result, and it, it, it did bring me tears, and it just shows you that these insights uh, can, can help humanity. And I'm just a, a, a witness to that. Yeah, you're, you're a vehicle. You're, you've, uh, you've seen it, and you're... Actually, you're living that life that came back to you when you came back from the other side. You're just, you're just saying, here's what happened, guys. And, you know, take it or leave it. This is, this, is, this is one person's observation. But then the thing that's really interesting about this whole presentation, and I, I so much appreciate you sharing it with us, is it's measurable. I'm like a data-driven guy. You have some people that are so smart they can measure this stuff, and they come up with a 30% improvement over somewhere around 40 feet away, <laughs> under 40 feet away. I yeah. mean, to me, that is a very interesting, it's edgy. It may sound a little woo-woo. I'm not, not everybody who's listening is going to go out and, and get that app, but I sure am. I'm going to get it. Why not? I mean, I want to see if, who, who, couldn't, who couldn't use 30%? I mean. And the reason why the, the purpose behind it is that if we get enough people that are more in tune with themselves, their innate intelligence. We don't have to add anything to, the, to us. We, we, we reveal, we enhance who we already are. If we get enough people that are living that quality of life, there's the theory that a small percentage can affect a large percentage because that smaller percentage is more coherent. It's more natural, it's more life supporting. And there's an influence that goes beyond our physiologies that, that uh, we believe in. That particular uh, idea is very easy to subscribe to because when you think about individuals 
working together and the confluence of individuals thinking similarly, the team, the whole, I mean, that goes back into primordial times. I mean, the only exactly. reason we're here exactly. is because we've had groups that are synergized and they may not be synergized on the right level. And <laughs> we've had some people who are destructively synergized, but they didn't make it. I mean, the people who are constructively synergized are fighting the entropic change of uh, the various rot levels that are going on. <laughs> and, 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 and we're growing, grow, growing the uh, persona of humankind. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Well, that's beautiful. You said it so beautifully, uh, Dr. Parker, and, and constructive, constructive consciousness, collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. It is the power. And I'm calling that collective potential love. And I'm saying that it's, it's powerful. That's the title of the book. And we're all in this together. All, and we don't have to come up with some new theory for, to, you know, it is just being together, having that heart collective consciousness, that shared sense of let's, let's, let's create a better planet here. Let's create uh, less suffering. Let's see what we can do together. Just that intention alone has power. That is so beautifully said. I don't want to say anything after you, after you close with such a series of beautiful remarks. I mean, very, very well said. I'm looking forward to reading the book. We want to send listeners over to your site. Let's go ahead and drop that before we go and make sure we can get that over there. And by the way, uh, Robert is going to give us a book to give away so we can come in, you can come and pick that up. It'll be available for the next two weeks after this is published. So you can drop your, drop your line there. We can, we're going to give one away. So go ahead, please. Where would, where would you like people to go? We we're, we're, we're directing everybody to loveisthepower.com. Easy that, to remember. That's easy. <laughs> that is so easy. Robert, this has been a, a definite, I mean, it's so much fun for me having a chance to talk to a guy like you because, you know, it's so easy to be, to resonate with a person like you. You know, you're doing the work, you're there. It's reassuring that there are other ways of moving forward. And the whole uh, collective consciousness thing is we, it's, t it's easy to accept from a rational level, much less a spiritual level. Mm. I mean, because you could just be rational and say, yes, if we, if we get along and we have some uh, synergy in terms of the way we're thinking, we're going to actually improve the fate of humankind. I mean, that's what we're all about. That's what all of us really would like to do if we could. And uh, I mean... It's, 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 a, it's a very big deal, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. It's been really great talking to you. It's been awesome. It's been such a joy. I so appreciate you inviting me to your show. And, and anything else I can do, I'm here for you. Well, I feel the same way. If you have another wrinkle on this that you'd like to talk about down the road, we'll hook you up. No question about it. Look forward to talking to you again. Likewise. Thanks. Thank again. you very much, Robert. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at 
corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.